Whether we like it or not, adversity is a part of life. Every challenge and every difficulty we successfully confront in life serves to strengthen our will, confidence, and ability to conquer future obstacles. Hi, everyone. This is Jim Riviello, and I want to welcome you to the Getting Results Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, so let's get started. Results matter. In fact, we're paid to get results. So the big question is this. How do business leaders like us, who really want to do the right thing and make a difference, how do they get results? How do they effectively lead others in the face of adversity? And how do they find the strength and courage to role model the behavior they want to see in others? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Jim Riviello, and welcome to Getting Results. Hey everyone, this is Riv, and in this episode, I want to talk about adversity. I want to do a deep dive in some of the big time obstacles that we find ourselves in and how we as leaders respond to those circumstances so we grow from them. And I also want to talk about and discuss how we can leverage those experiences to better serve others. To help me navigate this topic, I've invited a longtime friend and colleague to join me. Um, her name is Jacqueline Nicholson. Hello, Jacqueline. How are you doing? Hey, Riv. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm so, I'm so glad you're able to join us today. I can't tell you the number of clients that just keep pestering me and keep asking me all the time. So when are you going to have Jacqueline on one of your podcasts? Well, guess what? I'm, uh, I'm crossing that one off my list today. So I'm, I'm super, super excited. Um, Jacqueline, I think I'm, I'm trying to go back in my memory here, but I'm pretty sure that we've worked together for almost 20 years, right? I'm, I'm something like that, right? Am I right? Yeah, it's it's pretty darn close. I think in June, it'll be 19 years, uh, getting close. I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, holy Moses, I've known Riv for almost 20 years. I love it. It's great oh, it's stuff. Cra- been through a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like we've been through corporate America together. We've been outside. <laughs> it's uh, partners. I mean, it's just, wow. It's been, uh, what a, been a hell of a ride. But uh, anyway, before we begin, I just want to do a quick intro for our listeners. Um, for those who don't know, Jacqueline Nicholson is an author of sales success stories, real stories from real sellers. And it's considered to be one of the top 1% sales professionals in the company she's represented. And uh, since I worked with her, I can attest that that's actually true. Jacqueline's also been featured on Scott Ingram's sales success stories podcast. Um, Her career has actually spanned an amazing range of companies, both from the fortune 50 um, all the way to new startups and probably just about uh, everyone in between, uh, <laughs> which is kind of interesting to, to think about that way. She spent uh, the last 25 years building and supporting some of the best brands in the world and has developed an expertise in building businesses in new markets from scratch. So I wouldn't be me if I didn't also share a few uh, fun facts about Jacqueline since I've known her so well. Um, and my listeners out there, people who have been following me for years know that uh, I'm a big time wine drinker. And well, I always say that you get like the company you keep. And for those who know, uh, may not know, Jacqueline is a wine sommelier and she lives in California in the heart of Sonoma. Go figure, right? <laughs> and and um, I'm wicked jealous, by the way. Um, <laughs> besides our shared passion for wine, Jacqueline is a longtime LXU student. I've been working with her for years. And she has also become uh, one of our top certified LXU coaches and is an active member of our Inner Circle Club. So welcome, Jacqueline. I'm so psyched to have you here. 
Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And it's funny, uh, you know, people ask me sometimes why we live in wine country. It's like, well, why don't you live in San Francisco? Or why do you, don't you live in LA? Why do you live so far north? And I invite them to come visit and then they usually understand why and they don't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep saying I got to move out there someday. But uh, I think visiting now that I have a friend there, it's easier. Exactly. So, um, exactly. Well, it helps to have a husband and a daughter who work in the wine industry. It's a, it gives me a nice reason to be here. I know. So I, I'm expecting some free wine later, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always the hookup. You know that. I got you. I got you covered. Yeah, I know you do. Okay. So the topic today is overcoming adversity. And um, it's kind of strange. I've, I've been talking about this for a while lately. It's been, it's been top of mind for me. Um, I, I blogged about it. Um, you guys can go check out some of my recent blogs over the last couple of weeks. Go to lxu.training slash blog. You'll see I've kind of been, this has been top of mind for me. Um, I also did a podcast last week um, because I my, myself encountered some personal challenges um, over when I was traveling last week. And I so I did a whole podcast on a business trip and some of the challenges I had to navigate through that. That episode is called Do You Wish Something Was Different? So check that out. Um, but with that said, I kind of thought it was great timing since I had this kind of theme emerging um, to have Jacqueline join us. And I think it's important because many of our listeners out there and many of the people that I work with on a, on a, on a regular basis, you know, everybody I know is, is faced with some kind of adversity, whether it's big or small. And, uh, and many of us, you know, are dealing with, with challenges. And, and most important part of overcoming adversity is, is just navigating through it to begin with, how we handle that. And most importantly, what we learn from those experiences. So Jacqueline, I, I've known you for a long time, like we said, almost 20 years. And I've had the privilege of uh, an honor of working with you and, and witnessing firsthand. I've had, I feel like I've had a front row seat to, to the many uh, numerous setbacks that you've had to navigate throughout your personal and professional career. And one of the things I've always admired about you is just the ease and grace of how you approached each, each and every one of them. I mean, I just, I sat there and I just, you know, other people I, I, I know would, would never be able to navigate some of the things you've been through with the level of grace that you have. And it's always been an inspiration for me personally. And while I don't have, well, you know, while we don't have time to talk about all of them, um, I wanted to see if there was one situation in particular that you could share with our audience that stands out amongst all the others, because I, I really think it's important for so many people to learn from some of the things that you've been through. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny, the, the one thing that we all have in common as human beings is we're all going to go through adverse circumstances. I guarantee you 100% that anybody that's listening to this has been through big challenges and is going to face big challenges. And that's just part of life. Um, and it's part of the rich tapestry of life. And if we can get ourselves to the point where we view adversity as part of the journey and something that can really be something that refines us, that makes us better, it really helps. Uh, it's funny, as I was reflecting on this question and, and the topic, I was reviewing some, you know, some previous journaling. I, I like to journal. You've taught me that uh, to make sure I'm journaling and observing everything that's going on around me. And I was thinking of when Scott actually interviewed me for the first time, he asked me about a big challenge that I had faced. And it was funny because I was thinking about the foundation of my career. It was built at a time of great personal challenge. And I sort of laugh at, you know, the reactionary, you know, Jacqueline 1.0 or even 
0.50. I mean, this was early Jacqueline days, right? I kind of think uh, you're maybe on 5.0 by now. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And I was so ill-equipped for life in general. And it was just, I was, you know, I think you once called me a, a lit match waiting for a fuse. Yep. I remember and, those days. <laughs> and so it's, it's funny to laugh about it now. It wasn't so funny at the time, but I, I was at least a person who could be directed. That energy could be directed. But it was funny because that uh, now that we're talking today, uh, that certainly has not been my biggest challenge that I've faced. And you know, because you had a front row seat to the challenge, as you mentioned. So just exactly about two years ago to this day, it was on May 24th, we're talking here on the, the 30th of May. And so just about two years ago, I was on a business trip on the East Coast. I was, I was traveling with my former CEO, Noah Breyer from Percolate, uh, who I adore and will forever, you know, just be so grateful for all that I've learned from him. I hope he gets to listen to this and here's his shout out. But uh, <laughs> Noah and I were traveling to see the CMO at Verizon and we were on the East Coast and I wasn't feeling well in the first part of the trip when I was in New Jersey, you know, went to like a, a clinic after leaving the meeting early, you know, found out, hey, you know, you have a fever, here's some antibiotics. And, you know, I got on the plane to go to Dulles Airport. By the time I got down to Washington, D.C. area, I was not feeling well. I ended up skipping the meetings the next day and said, you know, I woke up around two o'clock in the afternoon and I, I felt the worst I've ever felt in my life. I, I thought I had some sort of horrible flu. I could barely walk. I felt dehydrated. And I said, you know, I should go to the hospital. I was all alone in a crappy airport Sheraton. You know, <laughs> not that all Sheratons are crappy. Some of them are very nice, but this one was one of those sort of airport ones, you know, the ones I'm talking about. Yep. I wasn't feeling well. I was like, I, I think I should go to the hospital. I wanted to go back to sleep, but I thought, you know, I should probably go get checked out. Uh, it was a good thing I did that uh, because I found out later I was told if I had gone back to sleep, I would have died in my sleep. If I had gone in an ambulance much further than we did, I would have died in the ambulance. I was in pretty bad shape when I got to the hospital. Um, called my husband, told him what was going on. Um, my CEO, Noah, showed up in the ER and he tells this funny story. He told my husband on the phone later when Paul asked how I was, he, he didn't say anything. He was really quiet for a while. And then my husband asked him, well, how does she look? And, and Noah said, well, she looks green. I was septic. I was in really bad shape. Uh, I had a condition that basically about one foot in the grave, every nurse that I tell the story of goes sort of pale in the face. And I go, oh my God, you had that? How are you still here? Uh, bottom line, I was diagnosed a few days later when the doctors figured everything out with um, a very rare and aggressive and deadly form of leukemia that also happens to be the most treatable. Um, but it was terrifying. I was all by myself. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was on a business trip. I felt the professional obligation of, you know, going to with this high level meeting. And I was so blessed. Um, you know, one of the, the spiritual truths that you've often taught me is that help is always available. Well, the hotel staff were amazing. The people in the hospital were amazing. My colleagues, TJ and Manas, were amazing. They handled everything. I didn't have to worry about any of that. And yet Noah showed up at the ER and he said, I was still trying to look like I was sell to the hospitalist and the ER staff. He's like, she's <laughs> rapport with the hospital staff. Who is this ninja that we have hired? Um, and so he said, she's like, looks like she's about to die and she's got the hospital staff laughing and eating out of her hand. So That's that so was, you. That's so that you. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually, to think about it. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny, you know. So, so that was part one of the problem. The, the next challenge was that. So hang on a second. So you, oh you yeah, were, sure. Just a, you were uh, in D.C. area, and your family was out still in California, right? That is correct. I live here in California. Wow, wow. So tell That's us about just being. How alone did you feel? 
<laughs> uh, I, I remember uh, just crying to one of the nurses one night and saying, I just want to go home. I remember kind of, I, I was in my room awake one night because they wake you up at all hours, you know, because I was in pretty bad shape. They had to check on me. I was in critical care. And there, you know, I just sat there in bed and I just cried and I, I cried out to God. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I want to, I want to go home. Please get me home. Um, my husband showed up the next day and uh, we we had the, the doctor on Saturday morning walked in the room and he said, great news, we, we have the diagnosis. That's when they told us about the leukemia. And then the second part of the news was, uh, you're going to get transferred to this hospital in Virginia. You'll be there for 45 days. I said, you could stop right there. I am not staying here in Virginia. I've got nobody here. I've got kids. I got dogs. I got wine in California. We're going home. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, could, uh, I, I wish I would have been in that room. <laughs> and he kept back. talking. I'm like, you could keep talking, but you're wasting my time. I got to go. Um, so my husband and I set to work. We we're like, okay, this is a problem. And I looked at my husband. The first thing I said to him after the doctor finally left the room, I said, knowledge is power. And, and I think that's one of the keys um, when you're in a situation with adversity is any knowledge you can gather about the situation you're in is power. So knowledge is power. So now we know what we're dealing with. Now we solve it. And so we immediately just set to sort of brainstorming about who did we know? Who, how could I get home? Uh, how could I safely get home? I wasn't in any condition to fly on a commercial airliner. Uh, I had no immune system from the leukemia. I would have dropped bit dead basically on a, on a flight. Uh, so I had to do some sort of, you know, private transportation, what have you. Um, and the theme of help is always available, especially in these challenging situations, if you'll look for it. Um, I had recalled a situation where my daughter had asked for friends to pray for me on Facebook, you know, Hey, you know, keep my mom in your prayers. She's not feeling well. And uh, a friend just randomly reached out to her and said, well, Hey, you know, let us know if there's anything my family can do. We, we'd be happy to, to help out. And I thought of this person, for some reason, my daughter had shared that random fact with me. And I decided to text this, this friend of my daughter's because I knew her number. And I said, you know, honey, I don't know what to do, but I'm dying and I need to get home. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to gloss over the, the, the situation I was in. It was bad. It, it, this wasn't like, oh, I'd be okay. It was, every hour was critical. It was, it was pretty desperate. And uh, the most important thing was, you know, to just get treatment started immediately. And the treatment was pretty serious. So this friend responded right away. The, the short version of this sort of long story is uh, uh, an angel literally rescued me. Um, a member of her family uh, had the means and as the generous, most wonderful person on the planet uh, was able to fly me home. Um, and I was admitted in. Yeah, it was amazing. And I, I, I can never thank him enough. And he just acted like it was the, the biggest pleasure of his life to be able to help. And the fun thing was this friend of my daughter's, um, it was the only favor she had ever asked her grandfather for in her entire life. And you stop and think about that, like how generous uh, that was for me. The fir very first favor, you know, in her 20 something life was to ask her grandfather to save my life. It wasn't for her. It wasn't for her business. It wasn't for any selfish reason. It was completely and 100% selfless. Uh, she yeah, went out of the way to do that. That is just amazing. I mean, I just, you know, I think it's something not to, to glass, over, gloss over quickly because I just, you know, I knew at that time, I remember, you know, you, you had no clue how you were getting home. And I think you said a couple of key things in there that I think are really super important. You prayed 
and we didn't have all the answer. You did. You didn't have all the answers, but you did have an angel emerge. And I think that's really the, the heart and soul of the comment. Help is always available. Sometimes it shows up in the weirdest places, and we just have to open ourselves up to receive it. And um, you, you're you're a walking testimony of, of that. Exactly. And so you know, we got home. I was admitted into UCSF Medical Center. Uh, I spent 30 days there. Uh, throughout the journey, um, I think I talked to you once when I was in the critical care unit in Virginia. Uh, I talked to yeah. you a couple times from the hospital in uh, San Francisco, um, and then probably more than one or one or two times from a chemo chair for the nine months after that. Yeah, I got to stop you there. I just, uh, I just, you know, for people listening, I just, I, I want you to hear what Jacqueline just said because. I mean, I will never forget, we did, I think you FaceTimed me once from your phone and for one of our calls. And I'm like, where are you? And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm in the ER. And I'm like, what? What? What, what are you calling me from there for? And then you, call, you called me another time. We had one of our calls and you were, I think you were getting chemo, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, so the, the amount of like, I don't think you've ever, ever canceled a coaching call, ever. I mean, like vacation, and here you are in the ER, <laughs> you're in you're getting chemo. I mean, like, so when people like cancel for like the weirdest reasons, I'm like, are we scheduled? I'm like, no, no, Jacqueline is the bar. She is the standard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like, and you were like, no, 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 I just need to put you down for a second while the, while the nurse is here. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And you're like, no, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. <laughs> My rib time is precious. It absolutely is. <laughs> you blew you know, me away with that. So just, I just, oh, I, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was so important. And I think, you know, the reason why I share this story with your listeners and with our audience and the people who are, you know, members of our LXU tribe, if you will, uh, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a huge challenge like this. It's, you know, challenges, adversity can really shape you and they can shape you for good and they can shape you for, for worse. Um, you know, you can become better because of it. And, and that was the, the decision I made. Um, I said, you know what, this is a challenge. I'm going to figure out what there is to learn from this. Um, you know, when you're in a hospital for 30 days and you know you're going to be there for a long time, this is not a couple days. This is literally 30 days in, in a hospital um, in, in very serious condition with very serious things going on. And all I just remember um, constantly was being grateful. Uh, I felt this overwhelming sense of gratitude um, for knowing exactly what was going on, knowing exactly the kind of treatment. I mean, it was a real blessing. Uh, one of the, the gentlemen who checked me into UCSF at night when I was in pretty bad shape, I had a packet of information from a friend of mine that talked about my diagnosis. And he said, and they were going to confirm it. And he said, well, if this is the kind of leukemia you have, it's the one you want to have. You've won the lottery, basically. I was like, well, I don't really feel like I've won a lottery here, buddy. But I decided to sort of take that phrase and, and that matter to heart. It's like, okay, I'm lucky here. There are a lot of people with worse things going on than me right now. And so I took that attitude and attitude is everything. Every doctor, every nurse I met kept remarking on my amazing attitude. And, you know, I, I just have to, you know, give credit where credit is due. I mean, first of all, to the people in my life like Riv and, and God who have just shaped my attitude because you know you have a choice in life everything's a choice you can choose happiness or sadness you can choose success or failure and you can choose to give away the choice and i refused to give away the choice to to see some value in this situation there was a crisis i was in there had to be something to learn and so yeah so stop right there for a yeah. second i mean like you know that's I still find that amazing because we, we, I often talk about, and you know, one of the things I always talk about is, you know, monkey mind chatter, right? And, and the 
we have these two voices in our head, you know, one is ego and one is spirit. And one is the ego is kind of spouting off all the things that, you know, the negative stories, the, the things that could go wrong. How did you manage through that, that chatter going on, that voice in your head? Like, I mean, I know you, I know the, the newer version of Jacqueline has amazing attitude. You're just so strong. You're like I said, you're an inspiration to me and to so many others. But at the same time, I have to, you know, imagine you're human and you have this chatter going on. So, so tell us about really how you, how you work through that. Yeah, I mean, it, anybody who has, has faced adversity, which is really the, you know, the set of all of us, right? We all have. There are times in the middle of it where you just want to give up. And there were a lot of tearful moments, um, but there's a lot of joy too. And I, I just chose to focus on the joy. I chose not to um, let myself get, uh, you know, down about it. It's, and it's very hard. Um, and if you're going through anything that's intensely difficult right now, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I would walk every day. So, you know, as sick as I was, the one freedom that I had was to walk around the floor of the hospital. And I had my morning routine where I would walk a mile and a half around the around the hallway every day. And I was on a mission. I was, you know, so physically, you know, being active, even in my state was really very important and vital to me. Um, the visitors, I lived for the days when people would visit me, you know, being in San Francisco and having family up in Sonoma, you don't get a ton of visitors. Um, but I had them right when I needed them, which was great. Uh, I got to be friendly with the staff, which was really amazing. Uh, one in particular, my friend Zach, who I met on the floor, probably my second or third day there, who realized we were both ginormous hockey fans. Um, he just came to our daughter's wedding, which we had a couple weeks ago. And Zach was just a lifesaver uh, because uh, it was during the Stanley Cup finals, just like this time of year right now, the Stanley Cup's going on. And we watched uh, some games together in the hospital room and uh, laughed about everything. So, you know, keeping yourself busy, spiritually praying um, mentally I journaled a lot I read a lot I watched a lot of movies and documentaries um, and just you know keeping myself physically active and I think that those were the keys that helped me shape it from something that was devastating to something that there was hope at the end of it yeah there's so much we all can can learn from that and I think you said something earlier you know we were talking about spiritual truths and help is always available I mean, the other spiritual troop I'll add to that is something you, you kind of slid in there very gracefully is, uh, you know, you express a lot of gratitude and it is a definite truth that you cannot be grateful and unhappy at the same time. And mm, I really so think that, yeah, it's uh, so I think that that's just something for our folks that are listening to just, you know, as we all try to manage that, the monkey mind chatter is just, you know, sometimes just appreciating what you do have. And for you, appreciating the love of your family, the doctors, the people that were helping you out. I mean, all the little things you were focusing on um, distracted you from some of the bigger things that were going on. So that's just a, it's an inspiration for everybody. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one time I was journaling and I often will have a companion book or devotional or something that I'll read when I'm journaling. And I remember one day uh, the, the opening salvo or maybe the closing line of it, I forget which, because it was a few years ago. It says, you know, today I'm open to the realm of infinite possibilities. You know, there's, there's an infinite number of possibilities open to me. Uh, you know, the range of which was, you know, despair to, you know, you know, complete peace and calm about it. And, you know, when you're faced with a, a serious situation, you know, maybe, you know, if somebody is about to get fired or they got fired or they lost a loved one or they're facing an illness or, you know, they're not getting along with somebody at work, there are a lot of different kinds of adversity. And so for me at that time, you know, I, 
I, I don't know. I think what changed for me as a result of it is I have a lot more clarity than I ever had. And I thought I was a pretty clear, focused person before this situation. It brought a tremendous amount of focus and clarity for me. You know, when you're faced with a difficult situation, the stuff that is the little stuff just sort of falls to the wayside, right? The little petty differences, the, you know, whether you're going to get, you know, for me anyway, at that time, it was like, well, I wasn't, suddenly I wasn't worried about closing deals. I wasn't worried about a promotion. I was worried if I was going to wake up the next day. Right. (laughs) Tremendous clarity from that. Yeah. A lot of perspective on that. A lot of Mm -hmm. perspective. So roll forward a little bit. So you said two years right? Um, just two years last week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's, uh, what's different? You're a survivor. Um, you know, bring us up to, st- to speed on, on you know, where you are now. What's different? What's changed for you as a result of this? So what's changed for me is I'm, I'm more inclined to make sure that I, and it's going to sound a little cliche, but you know, stop and smell the roses, you know, just to savor every moment. You know, I've been given another opportunity and I'm so grateful for it. And so what was I given another opportunity for? So I'm, I'm looking for ways more so than ever. You know, I always had this mindset, but you know, what's, what's the most important thing? So for me, when I think about, you know, my, you know, my most important role and what I want to do, and, and this was something you taught me years ago, is that, you know, my, my biggest goal in life is to be, you know, the best person that I can be. So that's to me what success is. It's not about how much money I make or promotions I get, you know, or if I, you know, I get my blind tasting certification as a sommelier, whatever it is, I'm successful when I show up as the person that I aspire to be. And I want to be the person that my husband, Paul would marry again. I want to be the person that my boss would hire again, like you. (laughs) I want to be, you know, the person my kids are proud to introduce you know, to their friends and to, to their loved ones. And that's to me success. And so I try to do everything in the service of that one goal is, is who do I want to be? You know, cause we can all do different things. And that's the philosophy with LXU is, is we sort of turn the world's philosophy on its head of how people go about being successful. And it's really about being the person you aspire to be. And so for me, what really changed is it just brought into focus, like the things that are important to me, because I was actually faced that one night in the hospital room, right? I really thought I was going to die. And I remember thinking about the kids and all the things we wanted to do. And I didn't feel any regrets because I don't really believe in regrets, but I did think, gosh, you know, I I really, uh, if I have the chance, I'm going to make sure I do some of those things. And so I've been given the chance to do that. So for me, the the focus, like I've talked about, but also, you know, just the, the determination that the lens with which I see through now is about, does this really serve me? Does this does this allow me to help somebody else in need? Because part of our biggest mission in life is to serve others, to help others, right? Along the way. Like I have a perspective now from dealing with this that I never had before. So I can have more empathy um, for somebody who's in the middle of a similar situation. And that's a gift. Yeah. I think um, that's said so well. I mean, for years and you know, like, you know, I wrote about this in my first book, you know, there must be a better way. It was just, you know, for years I had the whole formula backwards. And I think many of us do is like, I was always waiting for something to have something first be- before I could be who I wanted to be. And Oh, I was that way for sure. Well, you know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. And you know, when I was, when I was younger and the kids were small, I used to always say, when I have more time, I'll be able to do more things with my kids and I'll be the father I want to be. And, and then I would at work, I'd be like, you know, once we have another client, once we, you know, have um, another employee, you know, another t- team member, we'll be 
be able to do more things and then everybody be happy. And, and in reality, I had the formula all backward. You got to be first. And mm -hmm. once you become a role model for your kids, they'll want to spend more time with you. And then you'll have the memories that you want. Once you become a better leader at work, right, you'll be able to, the team will rally and do the things that will bring you success. And, and I think sometimes we just forget that it's formulas as simple as just being. And being that person other, you want, others want to be around. And so it's just, um, it's amazing. But anyway, you've uh, been through a lot. Your family's been through a lot, right? Um, how do you feel like you just talked about how, you know, what's different for you? What's different for your family? Well, I think uh, it's brought me closer to them. I was, we always had a, I mean, I'll be coming up on 20 years of marriage uh, this September, which is amazing. And we've always had a, an excellent marriage, which I'm so thankful for. But even more so, there's just a lot more gratitude for the little things. Um, little things don't really bother us as a family very much. We all uh, can remember how we all felt two years ago that, you know, hey, do we really want to be upset about this? We really want to fight about this. I think for my youngest son, it's had the most profound effect because he, uh, you know, was, was pretty young at the time that it happened. And, you know, as he grows, uh, you know, he's become very grateful for uh, the fact that that worked out well. In fact, now he kind of jokes about it. You know, it's now it's, yeah, I remember two years ago, mom faked having leukemia so she didn't have to go on the field trip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you said that to me last night at dinner i just looked at him i go i know it's pretty serious some pretty good fakery going on well you got a great <laughs> fam and um you got a wonderful husband and i know who, who loves you very much and I, I really think you know you mentioned the word gratitude again about five times in the last three sentences when you started talking <laughs> about your family so it's uh that's amazing that's really cool um yeah, so I, I don't guess, mean to beat it to death, but it's no, true. <laughs> no, it's again, and it's it's something we all need to just you know we need to, we all need to hear that more. I think mm -hmm. we all hear so many negative stuff out there. Like I I can never hear grat gratitude stories enough in, in my mind. I mean, I, maybe that's me just getting older. But um, hey, I got a you know I got a um a couple closing questions for you. I mean, just you know you've uh, been with LXU for a while now. You you've interacted with many of our clients. Um, you know the profile of what makes a, a good uh, client for us. You know, the, the high performers out there that have just really strong desire for their searchers, their seekers, they're searching for something better. They, they're open and willing for help. They're dedicated to, to put the work in, much like yourself. I mean, like I've seen so much work you've put in um, and you've, you've coached and trained you know, many of these folks in our workshop. So I just want you to like visualize some of those folks because I happen to, you know, I got to imagine many of them are listening right now. So I just want you to, you know, picture a couple that you've interacted with in your mind and, and how can your story help them? I mean, translate that for me. Like what advice would you have for them as they're embarking upon, you know, challenges or they're reflecting upon different challenges in their life? And you said it earlier, I mean, some challenges people might be having like big like this. These are some big, big ass challenges, right? I mean, these are some, some things that you, you can't really, um, they're outside of your control, but at the same time, there's also some adversity we all face on a day-to-day -day basis that in the moment, you know, in the bigger picture of things, they're small, but in the moment they feel big. You know, it could be something with a coworker, a client, a boss, like you said. So, so what would you say to them? Like, what advice would you give them? Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important thing to remember, and, and I, I, I can't give credit to myself for this feeling. It comes from one of my favorite talks by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Plum, who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And he gives this talk 
called Who Packs Your Parachute or Is Your Parachute Packed? Yeah. I think I've seen it titled both. And he talks about being a prisoner of war in Vietnam in a communist prison camp for six and a half years of his life, which is just a tremendous amount of time. I can't even imagine. But he says, you know, when people say, well, God, you know, Charlie, I'll never be a prisoner of war. You know, of course you won't, but don't you see the connection, the challenges that we face every day, the adversity we face every day, whether it's, you know, being a prisoner of war, whether it's having a life-threatening illness, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's a small dust-up at work, whether it's somebody cutting you off on the freeway, they're all situations where we can choose a better way, where we can choose to be the person we want to be, where we can choose to learn and to grow from it. I get really annoyed in traffic. Like, that's my big downfall. That's like, one of my triggers, too. Leukemia, <laughs> <laughs> fine. Traffic, oh, my God. You know, and I realize that it's sometimes it's like, wait, stop for a second. Why? Why is the guy in front of you going slow? What are you supposed to notice? What are you supposed to do? Maybe you should pray for that guy. Maybe that person just had a family member die. Uh, Stephen Covey has a story in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that still makes me cry to this day. He's on a subway. There's a man there who's completely ignoring his out-of-control children on the subway who are acting up. And, and, and he's like, excuse me, sir, like, maybe you should get some control of your children here. And the guy sort of like looks up like he's in a fog. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, we just came from their mother's funeral. I, I don't, I, I'm sorry about that. And it was like psh, paradigm shift. Yep. You, know, you don't know what somebody else is going through. And just because my story in this podcast might be a big story, it doesn't mean that your story, if you don't have a big one, isn't relevant. It doesn't mean it's not a challenge for you. We all face adversity and it doesn't have to be, you know, quote unquote, a big one. If it's big for you, it matters. The, the encouragement I, I give to people and the, and the thing that I would like to say is, you know, no matter what you're facing, there's a way to get through it. There's help available. Um, you can have a, a, a perspective of what can I learn from this? What is this teaching me? What lesson do I need to get out of this? And that can make all the difference, whether it is something massive and life-changing or whether it's just something that's a, a huge annoyance at the moment at work. Um, it, it, it doesn't have to be uh, you know, something like, like mine, it can be very different. And so when, if you hear of somebody's story, don't say, well, I don't have that problem. So I should just be getting over mine. That's not true. Um, we never know what another person's journey is like, and we can never dismiss our own journey uh, as not as hard because if, if it's causing you pain, if it's causing you grief, if it's causing you to just be worried about it, it's worth looking at. It's worth thinking about how you can reframe it um, in order to be helpful to yourself as opposed to an obstacle. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, one of the things I'm practicing right now with my, myself is, you know, every time I get in a situation that doesn't go as planned, it doesn't go the way I like, or, you know, like you said, adversity shows up in different shapes and sizes. You know, I always whisper, okay, God, like, what am I supposed to learn here? Mm -hmm. And I think just whispering that phrase in your own head, just, again, puts you in a different context, puts you in a different mindset to, to stay open. There is a lesson here um, in everything. And, and the challenge is the noise around us is, is too loud for us to sometimes hear it. So we have to consciously focus in on what is it we're supposed to learn? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think, you know, like you said, adversity hits everybody. And, and I really want our, our listeners to re recognize it doesn't, you don't need a big, a, a big challenge like that. You could have something small, like you mentioned, but uh, just notice the times when you do face adversity how many, how many times you whisper in your own head, like how you wish things were different. And I always say, like when I was talking about my leadership laws, I mean, the very first leadership law we have to apply is to see things as they are. 
not better or worse than what they are. It is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the leadership law number one. I mean, leadership law number two is you got to envision something better. And in leadership law number three, you got to seek help and guidance to go co-create that future. And I think your whole story almost like just like is a walking testimony for, for, for those leadership laws. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you practice seeing things for the, what they are. You envision something better and, and you were open and receptive to all the help around you. And I think that's just, it's, it's just wonderful. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today, because I always talk about whatever situations you're going through, you really only have one choice. And you mentioned earlier, I mean, the power of choice. I mean, your power of choice is whether you choose to react to that situation or respond. And, and depending upon that choice, you're going to alter the outcome. And in your story, your the story you shared with us, I mean, you chose to respond to it, not react to it. And, and I think that so many leaders, and if, and if, we, if we apply this now back to business for a second, mm -hmm. I mean, I really think of so many leaders that we work with, um, and especially the new ones, right, mm -hmm. who just got promoted, who, who are just walking into leadership for the very first time. I mean, they, they have this false belief that they're supposed to have a team that's problem-free. And many entrepreneurs suffer from this, like we're supposed to have a business that's problem-free. And many times, like, that is just so far from the truth, right? I mean, you're in business to solve problems. Yeah. Right? And well, when it's perfect, we're dead, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think uh, when we talk about reframing, and you mentioned that a couple of times, um, I think that a lot of times when I'm in workshops and I'm, and I'm working with some of uh, our clients, I mean, one thing is I always say, the problem itself is not the problem. The real problem is how we see and interpret the problem. And I just want that to sink in for a second because I think sometimes we get lost in the problem when it's really our interpretation of it. And I think it's our job to look at problems from a different perspective and then help our team do the same. And I really think that that's uh, super important. So anyway, uh, so much. I mean, I know you and I could probably riff here for hours. I mean, because I <laughs> know true. talking, I mean, like just like time just flies. I mean, it's just, I, I, I love chatting with you. I, I love hanging out with you. I just, uh, it's, it's been a, a pleasure hearing some things. But I do have one, one last question for you because, you know, I know our folks here are, are probably, many of them are probably moved or want to have, uh, have more questions or might want to find you to find out ways you might be able to help them. So how can others find you? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll close with one other thing too. Um, you can find me first of all, if you go to lxu.training forward slash Jack, J-A-C-Q. Um, there's a link to directly email me and to download a couple of cool guidelines we have about coaching and, and how coaching can help. Look what it's done for me. Um, the last thing I'll say is, is something you mentioned. It's like you do have the choice. And, and Charlie Plum tells the story when he's in the prisoner of war camp, he's messaging with this, uh, this superior officer and the guy's like, how you doing? And Charlie's like, how do you think I'm doing? I'm a prisoner of war. You know, I'm bleeding, I'm dying and this, all this stuff. I'm malnourished, blah, blah, blah. They're torturing us. How do you think I'm doing? And, and the guy comes back and he says, well, you know what your biggest problem is? And Plum's like, you mean I got problems bigger than the ones I can see? He's like, <laughs> yeah, it's called prison thinking. He goes, excuse me? He goes, yeah, you think you're a prisoner. <laughs> wow. And he's like, uh, I am a prisoner. He's like, no. He's like, you, you have a choice even in something that desperate. So the biggest problem we face is, you know, we got to take responsibility for ourselves. You, you are responsible for your life, your choices, your circumstance. And if you love who you are, you're a sum total of all those choices. And that's a good thing, right? We don't need to regret stuff. So stuff happened. Oh, well, it is what it is. Like you said, you know, you take responsibility. We don't blame others for our failures or anything. 
And, and, and we should never assume that we can't control what's going on. We always have control. We can always choose the response to the situation we're in. You know, we can't control the situation, but we can absolutely control how we respond. And so I just want to encourage people at that closing note, you know, lxu.training forward slash Jack, and just take responsibility and, and reach out to me. I'd love to chat. It would be my honor. Cool. And just for the people listening, Jack is J-A-C-Q. <laughs> Yes. Yep. Yes. LXU.training forward slash Jack, J-A-C-Q, because uh, that's how we spell Jack here. Exactly. So Jacqueline, <laughs> uh, you know, once again, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing uh, your personal story with us. I mean, I always talk about as leaders, the value of being vulnerable and, um, and sharing stuff that personal. Um, you're, you know, just a walking billboard for that. And um, I'm always honored when you tell me how much I've taught you over the years, but I want you to know, and in front of all my listeners here, just how much you have taught me. I mean, I have watched you navigate some of the biggest adversity, one adversity anybody could face. I mean, and you've done it with such ease and grace. You've done it with such love for the people who care most about you, your family. And uh, I had a front row seat into watching you emerge over the last 20 years and, and, the, and the role model you have become for so many and, and the impact you have had on so many you have coached. And I just wanted to say thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Awesome. All right. Well, we have to run. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, remember, you always have a choice. Don't worry about where you are, what you've done, or what you failed to do. Today, like every day, is a new beginning. I challenge you this week to make a renewed commitment to overcome adversity. You, you heard Jacqueline's story, right? You have a story too, right? And regardless of what your story is, I just want you to remind yourself that it's so easy to get caught up in all that self-pity. It's so easy to get caught up in the unfairness of life or the many like why me traps that we, that we, we uh, chatter in our, in our mind. And when adversity hits, remind yourself to stay open. Remind yourself to just to pay attention so you too can recognize the golden opportunities for wisdom and the growth that comes as a result of adversity. So adversity in some cases can be really good. And the moment we all learn to begin to let go of some of these self-defeating and unproductive thoughts, we're able to get down to the actual business of dealing with them, right? And be dealing with the situation right before us. And there's so many inspiring stories, just like the one that Jacqueline shared today, who have overcome, you know, what would appear to be seemingly unsurmountable odds. And, I just want to remind yourself, so can you. Do me a favor and share this podcast with others in whatever way serves you best. Enjoy your week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.